Welcome to the Veterinary Pulse podcast. My name is Jordan Benchia. I'm the executive director of the VIN Foundation. Veterinary Pulse is the heartbeat of the profession. Join us as we talk with veterinary colleagues about critical topics from student debt to mental health and share stories. Stories connect us as humans, as animals, as a veterinary community. This podcast is made possible through individual donors like yourself and our technology partnership with VIN, the Veterinary Information Network. Thank you for being here. This episode, we're having a discussion with VIN Foundation board member, Dr. Matt Holland. Matt came to the veterinary profession on a road some might not expect. We discussed the defining moment he realized he wanted to be a veterinarian and what he thinks would be helpful to colleagues in this age of COVID. In his new position as a Veterinary Information Network, VIN, team member, Matt is helping to support veterinary students. Thank you for listening. Hi, Matt. Thanks so much for being here with us today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Jordan. Uh, Can you give us just a little sort of introduction to yourself, share with us you know, what veterinary school you went to, your grad year, et cetera. Yeah, so um, I went to uh, College of Veterinary Medicine at University of Illinois. I graduated in 2017 and um, moved to Washington, D.C. that fall and uh, worked for, I did the AVMA Congressional Fellowship for a year, and then I um moved over to the executive branch and worked for the USDA uh, up until a couple months ago when I started um, working at VIN. Yeah, so we should probably mention that. Matt, <laughs> Matt started um, working at the Veterinary Information Network, VIN, um, earlier this year. And prior to that, he's a VIN Foundation board member. So he still serves as a VIN Foundation board member and also works at VIN um, and is doing a lot of different things at VIN, helping with the students and just an overall great resource for us. So we're, we're really grateful to have him here. And how, I mean, since since you are a VIN Foundation board member, when did you first get introduced to the VIN Foundation? Um, <clears throat> so my first introduction to the VIN Foundation was in 2015 at AVMA convention in Boston when um, Dr. Tony Bartels uh, gave the climbing Mount Dent presentation to uh, the Sabma House of Delegates. And um, that's, I also met Paul at that meeting and um, that, that I guess, I guess the rest is history from there. And are you in, were you involved in Sabma when you were in school? Yeah. So um, in my, in my first year, uh, I was, uh, I became the SADMA delegate for my class at Illinois. And then um, the SADMA House of Delegates chose me to be their president elect, which was um, really, really cool and really humbling that they did that. Uh, and so I would like all four years was involved with SADMA. And that's, yeah, that's how I, I met Paul was um, through organized veterinary medicine. Yeah, Dr. Paul Payan, who's the VIN co-founder and VIN Foundation board member as well. It seems like you sort of 
have an interesting path once you graduate veterinary school, but can you tell us a little bit about, about your path prior to veterinary school and how you ended up going to veterinary school? Yeah, so it was a, a second career for me because I yeah graduated from Illinois in 2017, but I graduated from Drake University in Des Moines, Iowa in 2007 um, with a bachelor's in journalism. Um, so I grew up uh, in the Midwest, um, just outside Chicago, and then moved to Iowa for undergrad and came back to Chicago and I worked in sports television production. So I worked at the Big Ten Network. Uh, I worked for um, a television station covering the Chicago Bears. And then I moved to New York for a year and worked at Major League Baseball Network. Um, and then I came back to Chicago and worked for that same station covering the Bears again. Um, and throughout all of those jobs, like all of those jobs were seasonal. Um, so in the off season, I still had, uh, I still had bills to pay. <laughs> and, um, so I found, uh, I found jobs that all ended up having to, to do with animals one way or another. So my first job, um, in the off season was working as a dog walker and then I worked at a kennel and then I worked at a clinic and then I worked at a research lab. Um, and, uh, throughout that, um, Throughout that process, it was like over six years of um, kind of like doing different, like two or three different jobs each year um, was when I decided that uh, I thought I would, I thought I would make it um, a profession instead of uh, just like a, a side job um, because I really enjoyed working with animals and I got to see how many different like how many different things you could do as a veterinarian because I had all those different experiences um, and I wasn't really fulfilled by working in, in television production. Um, so it was kind of out of necessity that I started working with animals because I just needed a part-time job and then, um, you know, slowly, uh, slowly decided to, to change careers. But um, I didn't have any of the prerequisites. So uh, I remember being um, being at Drake and like a lot of my friends were in the pharmacy program and they would come back from class and complain about organic chemistry and how horrible it was. And I, I remember saying things like, well, if it's so bad, then why are you doing it? And then I was uh, eating my words a little bit when um, the only the only way I could get to veterinary school was by suffering through organic chemistry. Um, so I guess what goes around comes around there. <laughs> well, and did you, was there sort of a defining moment where you thought, I'm definitely, I want to be a veterinarian or, you know, you sort of mentioned a gradual progression. Was it more a gradual progression or is there something that sort of sticks out in your mind as that specific day or time frame? It was, um, it was, yeah, it's kind of both. And uh, I'll try to explain that. Um, the the real sudden, like, like, aha moment was there, there was one moment when I, I knew that I wanted to do something different, like I wanted to change careers. Um, and, but I didn't really know to what. Uh, so, 
that's um, that moment was when I moved back to Chicago. Cause like part of the reason I moved to New York was to try to like, I was getting, I was getting frustrated with that. Um, and so I thought, well, maybe I'll move to a different city and I'll try covering a different sport and I'll like, you know, change some of the variables and see if that helps. And it didn't. And so then when I moved back, I was like, all right, I'm going to do this job that I know, you know, the pay is decent and like flexible enough. And I like the people there. So it'll give me time to like think about what I want to do next. Um, so I knew at that point that I was going to, you know, do something different. And that probably, probably meant going back to school. And then it was a slow, gradual decision to have that be veterinary school. Cause I just started like, reflecting on all these experiences and, you know, thinking like, Oh, you can do, you can do all these different things. Um, and I, it's, it's interesting cause I didn't, um, I didn't really think that I was going to do anything policy related. Um, when I first, like when I applied to vet school and on the first day of vet school, I didn't really think of, you know, I thought of all the things that you could do with the degree, I wasn't really considering um, doing anything policy related, but uh, that that changed at some point during during school. Do you think it was your uh, time with SAVMA and your sort of experience there that might have opened you up to that or something else? <clears throat> yeah, I think that was a huge part of it. Um, uh, I think another part was um, the the person who taught uh, the public health and policy courses at Illinois um, happened. He, he and I just happened to click really well. And uh, so I took all of his elective courses and um, it turns out like he, he grew up in the same place that my dad grew up in. So we had um, some small world ex shared experiences. So we, yeah, we bonded and, he he had done um, one of these policy fellowships that I did, and so he you know, all about that. And so uh, just you know, sometimes sometimes uh, it's hard to find a rhyme or reason why um, why things happen, but uh, but definitely yeah, like you mentioned, um, involvement with organized veterinary medicine um, I think was a huge factor in and. Um, sparking my interest for uh, for policy and policy related jobs after school. It's amazing how much a you know a teacher can have such a such an impact on students. I definitely experienced that going to school and uh, it's so wonderful to be in that it just completely enriches the learning experience, right? Yeah, and it's like uh, I mean it's like a good coach or um, you know, like another, like a good boss, if you, if there is somebody that, um, that, you know, makes you, like, makes you motivated to show up, then that makes a world of difference. It doesn't even, like, and that's, that's kind of what I was getting at. Like, I didn't really have much of an interest in, like, public health or policy when, um, when I got to school. Um, but he, like, he was such a good teacher that he made it interesting. And then that for me, like that made it interesting to study and interesting to learn more about and get good at. Um, and that's, uh, yeah, it's the same way with a coach or with a boss. Like if they inspire you to uh, like 
to get better at something, then um, that's then then it takes a lot of the effort out of trying. So how do you how you know we're sort of in this new age now of um, COVID, and <laughs> so much has been yeah. turned upside down and. I know your life personally has been, and um, how you know how is how has COVID impacted your life? How is your life now different than it was in say January? Yeah, so uh, so in January, I still lived in Washington D.C., and my wife and I were getting ready to move to my parents' house. Um, our plan was to. Um, you know, we we're gonna we're gonna move to Illinois. She's also from the same area, and so um, almost all our family and a lot of our friends are here. And um, we we were fixing to <laughs> come back and um, you know maybe get a place to be long term. And um, because we didn't have anywhere to stay, and we didn't want to get anywhere, we didn't want to get a place sight unseen. Um, we our plan was to. Um, Put our stuff in a storage and live out of my parents' house for just a few weeks while we while we found something. And it was in just those few weeks that uh, uh, the world kind of changed overnight. And so I, I mentioned earlier, like where you know where I grew up, just outside Chicago, um, back in that same house that I grew up in. And so that's all come full circle. <laughs> um, and so it's it's changed things quite a bit. Um, what's really interesting is like how things how things that used to seem you know that you used to take for granted are are totally different now. So you know like getting groceries or um, you know like going to the pharmacy or you know you can't go to the gym anymore. You have to work out at home. Um, that kind of stuff that, yeah, just in January would have seemed like, you know, if somebody told me that you couldn't do those things anymore, I'd be like, why are you crazy? Um, but uh, one one positive thing is um, especially like, especially here now that I'm with my parents, they're like, they're still healthy and they're happy. And it's a lot of bonus time to get with those people that you love and and my wife is here too so that's really nice um like it's it's kind of fun to have this new routine that the four of us have you know like we um all have all have dinner together most most nights and um this thing that we did growing up uh my family we used to go around the dinner table and share favorite parts of the day and we're doing that at our dinner table again, uh, the, you know, these many years later. And so that's, um, that's been kind of a, like a fun silver lining at all is to, uh, and each other, what we're thankful for. Yeah, this is really a great opportunity for those that are not solo isolating or live near family are able to have their family and their isolation sort of pod. It's a huge opportunity to, to, to really cherish those moments and enjoy those moments with the family. And I know that for a lot of people, it's very challenging a lot, especially for a lot of parents who are trying to homeschool and, um, or people learning how to work from home. Um, are you used to working from home or how has that shift been for you? 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I got used to working from home last fall. Uh, as part of the reason, um, part of the reason I was thinking about a job change was because the, um, the agency I worked for, uh, out in DC was, so that was called the USDA National Institute of Food and Agriculture, NIFA. Um, NIFA was relocated from DC to Kansas city, from DC to KC. And, um, for, you know, from, from August until January. So five months, um, I was working from home pretty much every day. So I got, I got used to that. Um, and my wife, uh, she had done quite a bit of telework, um, in her, roles. Uh, she works for the Red Cross. And so um, a lot of her team is dispersed throughout the country. So there are a lot of days when, um, I mean, now it's every day and there are a lot of days when, uh, even when we're not in the middle of a pandemic where she works from home. Um, so yeah, it hasn't been, fortunately, I mean, really fortunately, it hasn't been very disruptive um, in terms of our normal days. And my parents both work from home too. So, uh, uh, really, um, we all just kind of like do our jobs during the day, uh, just together in the same house. So it's, it's kind of, uh, it's a strange new normal, but we're getting used to it. It's one big, happy working from home family. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so based on your time and policy, how do you see it? impacting the veterinary profession with regards to COVID in this time that we're living in? Oh, yeah. Um, well, so I guess a couple different answers. Um, one would be like acutely here we've seen, um, we've seen the CARES Act and how, uh, how that is impacting loan repayment specifically. Um, and that you know loan repayment impacts a huge percentage of our profession um and almost every new and recent grad um and then like in the bigger picture um i think it highlights the importance of policymakers in in general because like the people who the people who decide you know what's in the cares act are policymakers and so it like I know it's not a thing that um, a lot of us think about a lot is you know like local politicians and um, and and these you know these people that seem to you know only ask for your money and and time every so often and then they disappear um, but they um, for better or for worse they are the ones who make the rules that. Uh, that we all have to play by. And so I think it's really important to stay engaged and make sure, um, you know, make sure that you're, uh, you're happy with who is representing you. And if not, then to do something about it. What kind of resources do you think would be helpful um, for the veterinary profession in this time, either for pre-vets or veterinary students or, new graduates or full-time veterinarians, you know, where, where are you hearing from your colleagues and friends that there's a need or the holes? Yeah, the, um, 
The most common thing that I hear is that people don't know, and I know this, uh, this kind of goes without saying, but um, like people don't know what to do. That goes for, you know, what to do with, when, you know, when somebody shows up, um, you know, curbside or, uh, you know, like let one person in and at, uh, into the clinic at a time, um, you know, that like, do we even take this case or is it totally elective? And are we saying no to electives right now? And um, people like people needing a protocol from um, from start to finish in terms of like how to do normal operations. It's not surprising because I think about like, you know, how how we were in vet school when we didn't know. Uh, you know, if we get a case and we didn't know what to do, well, the most important thing is to have, you know, to have an answer for that. And that answer can come in a couple different ways. You know, it can be like a teacher who can help you through that. It can be a classmate. It can be a resource. You know, it can be looking up, you know, how a previous similar case was handled in that way. And so I guess what I'm getting at is in this huge time of uncertainty, when we really, for the most part, don't know what we're doing because we don't have a reference point. That's the most important thing is um, to have to have people to lean on, and that's like that's why I think VIN is such a great re resource and the VIN Foundation um, in this time is because it, at the very least, you know, it is like having a classmate where even if you know even if there is no rounds on well how to how to handle operating in a pandemic on this, you know, this scale of COVID, you know, there is no, <laughs> there is no blueprint for that. There, there is a community like VIN and then the resources like the VIN foundation that, you know, it's our, it's our job to pay attention to how everybody is handling it and to create these resources on the fly and to help people with what they're going through, you know, like right now as we speak. And so that's, that's what I think people in our profession need. And that's why I think it's really cool to be spending my time on, on stuff that helps the profession and in the time that they need it. Yeah, I think that that's a very good point that there is usually in life, there are reference points or people of expert knowledge that you can refer to. And in this time where there is so much uncertainty and so much unknown, and I think a majority of people are just mind blown, right? I mean, where we were March, you know, 8th versus April 8th is just such a vast difference. And where we were March 8th versus March 18th was such a vast difference. And there's mm -hmm. no way for us to know how to navigate that. And yeah. there are these, these sort of points of who do we go to or who do we ask or what are our reference points they're just blown out of the water. And many, many people are just feeling just, whoa, like what just happened? And, and that can be challenging on a personal level and then really challenging on a professional level. To your point, practice owners who are thinking, okay, do I do what's elective? What's not elective? Um, are vaccines elective? Are they not elective depending on where you are and the outbreaks in your area? And you know, some people, some pet owners are might not be happy if 
grooming's not, a, grooming is considered elective and others might think, oh, well, maybe it's not. Or, you know, it's so tricky to, to navigate that or like curbside and how does the curbside work? And, and then the, the whole like, well, are people going to respect the curbside or how, how do we even navigate all this? And I think to your point about the big sense that we keep coming back to is this sense of community where I really see that being one of the silver linings in the midst of all of this is people leaning on each other and starting from a place of kindness and starting from a place of none of us really are, none of us are experts here and none of us have really any idea and we're all trying to do the best we can. So how can we help each other? And, and I'm hoping that that's sort of one of the areas that will, that will kind of grow and expand in the midst of this age is, is this sense of community and supporting each other and being there for each other, which I think is, you know, definitely a huge benefit of then and the community there. And ideally that the foundation, the resources that we're offering can, can support veterinary colleagues for those times, because I think that sense of community is going to be just vital in us getting through all this personally and professionally and determining what, where those senses of community are and identifying them so that you can have them in your life to, to work from and refer back to. Yeah. And I think, I think it's important that we all take a step back and and realize that, you know, like look at the CDC, you know, they're changing their recommendations um, uh, in, in no small ways, um, you know, from week to week. And and so uh, I think we should be, you know, we shouldn't be hard on our, ourselves and um, be kind to ourselves and each other because, things are going to change. And, you know, what seemed like the very best thing to do um, in one moment might, might be different, you know, just a couple days later. And that is, that's hard to wrap your head around. And it's also just the act of doing that is not something that like almost any of us have experience with. So uh, it's, it's okay to like, (laughs) to feel um, a little bit, yeah, a little bit lost in times like this. Absolutely. And I think that's a good point about being kind with ourselves and being kind to our colleagues and understanding that we're all navigating this for the first time. And as you said, the CDC changing (laughs) their policies with things. And if you had told us a month ago that something called the CARES Act was going to come out and that they would forego student loan interest for a while, I don't think anybody would have believed you. Um, yeah. <laughs> the, the drastic measures that have been taken and that are continuing to be looked at to be possibly taken are, are so huge. And that's, it, it's a completely new era. And that, that support in that community, I think has been one of the most important things to help us all get through this in the different areas of our life. So you spend a fair amount of time on Facebook from my understanding, is that correct? <laughs> Uh, I mean, I think it's in my contract as millennial. I have to, <laughs> I have to log so many hours on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter um, before I can call it a day. So, what are you seeing? Um, are you involved in Facebook groups, or how are you, you know, h- how are you getting your news and information about the profession and about things in 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 general this time? I guess I would say there are, I mean, I was going to say a handful, but at this point it seems like more than a handful of uh, groups um, that are, that are focused on, you know, on different topics. So 
like an early career group and some groups that are focused specifically on the clinical practice aspect of the profession. Some, you know, there's one that's focused on policy, um, but the the interesting thing is that, you know, it's all veterinarians. And so um, it's cool to see, you know, see everybody's uh, world through the lens of a veterinarian. And what are you hearing are some of the biggest concerns or things that could be done to be helpful? Yeah, well, um, again, if you would have asked me in January, I think I would have had a pretty different answer. So I think the answer in January would be, I would say wellness and mental health gets, gets a lot of attention and it should. Um, it's, uh, there, there are a lot of different, a lot of different things that are stressful for veterinarians and almost, almost every practicing veterinarian, um, even if they handle stress well, um, they're, they're dealing with quite a bit of it. Um, and, and one of those, one of those things that is related to, to wellness is debt. And, and so there are groups that are focused on, on debt and repayment as well. So I would say those are the, those are the top two things that people talk about, you know, in January and now, like, of course, everything is, has this, has this COVID tint on it. That would now, it would be kind of what I was talking about earlier is like people just wanting to know what to do and, and sharing, you know, sharing what, what they're trying, what they're doing, what works for them, what hasn't worked for them. Um, and it's, it's kind of like everything else has been put off to the side while, um, you know, it's like, it's like an emergency room. Like now this is, this is the top thing to triage is how to function in this world and the rest of it will, will follow after. I think that's a good point. And if, if you knew a month ago, what you know now, would you change anything? Uh, yeah. Um, I, this may be on a lighter note. Uh, I'd been thinking about getting a new bike for a while. And I like with, with moving across the country, I was just like, okay, I will save the bike project for later. Plus it's, you know, it's winter. So I'm not really going to use it a whole lot right now, but I, I wish I had gotten a new bike because my own one is busted and that is something that's great for my mental health. And so I have to figure out a way to, uh, well, if I can't figure out a way to bike, um, then I'll figure out a different way to stay regularly active because, because yeah, if I, if I had known, I definitely would have solved the bike dilemma. I've heard a rumor you like to create haikus. I do. Do you have a haiku about but COVID also, that you'd yeah. like to share with us? <laughs> oh, uh, let, let me go through. Um, let me go through the the bank that I've written recently. I think there was. Well, so this is the one I wrote last week. Um, goes like this: It's been a long month. J.K., who am I kidding? It's been a long year. Very pertinent. And and hopefully we can find a way through focusing and 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 leaning on our community to to find silver linings in this situation and come out of this better than we went in with new opportunities and 
and new light shown on areas that we otherwise wouldn't have expected to see. That's my hope. Yeah. I think it's it's a it's a time to um, like reflect on the things that are really important to us, especially because we we should have the time since we're uh, not supposed to be <laughs> out and about spending it on other things. Um, and then, yeah, just like you said, when um, when we come out the other side, uh, we can, you know, take take what we learn and those reflections, like what is actually important to us and uh, focus on those things, even when things do start to return to normal a little bit. Well, hopefully it is sooner rather than later once everybody is in a place where they feel safe and that we can responsibly do so. Thank you so much, Matt, for joining us. We really appreciate the conversation. Yeah, thanks again for inviting me. Talk to you soon. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Veterinary Pulse. Please check the episode notes for additional information referenced in the podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please follow, subscribe, and share review. We welcome feedback and hope you will tune in again. You can find out more about the VIN Foundation through our website, vinfoundation.org, and our social media channels. Thank you for being here. Be well.